Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. God is good. And all the time. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in John chapter 4 this morning. Very familiar text. But before we get there, I was, we were worshiping together and a couple of them songs were just stirring in me. And uh, <clears throat> Before we jump into our message, there's somebody here or watching by the internet or, or, or is going to listen to this that you're having a hard time. You're struggling. You think God doesn't hear you. There's a lot of strife, drama, challenges in your life, and you're just not quite sure where God is. I want to read you a psalm. Psalm 77. Thank you, Lord. I cried out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with my hands lifted towards heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep, and I am too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since ended, when my nights were filled with joyful song. I searched my soul and pondered the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has he forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. There's some people that feel that way. And if you haven't or you don't, you will and you might. But that's not the end of it. That's not the end. The psalm, people. Thank you, Lord. The psalmist continues on. Thank you, Jesus. But then, but then, I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any other God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you will redeem your people and descend on Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, oh God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depth. The clouds poured down rain, the thunder rumbled in the sky, 
Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared through the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters. A pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along the road like a flock of sheep. And with Moses and Aaron as their shepherd. You may feel like you're having a hard time. You may feel like God isn't hearing your prayers. You may feel like not even knowing how or what to pray. You may feel that. But God's words demands and proclaims that he is never going to forsake you. He will never leave you. He will achieve everything he has set out and purposed for you. He will finish the work he started in us and in you. So take heart, friends, brothers, sisters. Jesus hasn't forsaken you. If you're watching right now and you feel that way, I'm telling you. The truth of God's word. He is for you. Speak. Sometimes we got to preach to ourselves, people. Speak it to yourselves. If you don't believe it, speak it. Just allow it to saturate into your spirit. Thank you, Lord. He is a God of restoration. He is a God of healing. He is a God of wonder and awe. And I hope today we've come with a, an expectation uh, part of who we are, ready to receive whatever, however, whomever God chooses to move and how God chooses to move. Thank you, Lord. God is good. This morning, I want to talk a little bit. I want to talk about a divine appointment. We're in this series that Pastor Lucas has started uh, about Hearts burning, you know, when Jesus shows up and he reveals his love and his personhood to, to whomever. Hearts burn, passions fire up, and, and things change because of that encounter. This morning I want to look at that divine appointment that Jesus had. I'm sure you know the story. But what do I mean by a divine appointment? Some people in this place need a divine appointment. Some people in this place understand a divine appointment. But what do I mean when I say a divine appointment? I mean there is a moment in time in which you, I, whomever, encounter a living God. We, we encounter him. We come into his presence. Or... You and I come across a person or a group of people that God has a plan to use in your life. Or all the circumstances lead to whatever God is trying to appoint that day. Divine appointment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, church. It's okay. I know it's the early service, but... We had great music. We had a great time of worship. We're going to rip into the word. And God is so good. I can't help but uh, continue just to, to share it and, 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 and just pour into it. This morning I want to look at this divine appointment we find in chapter 4. I'm going to pick up in the fourth verse. Verse 4. 
just a little background, Jesus, his ministry is growing rapidly, and, and he's baptizing, although he doesn't baptize, his disciple baptizes, and, and the, the crowds are getting bigger, the, the times are getting greater, the people are, are just, uh, Jesus' ministry is exceeding John the Baptist's ministry, and the Pharisees know that they can use this to cause some strife. In Jesus' wisdom and in his divinehood, if that's a word, he decides to bail out of town, not to cause problems at this point, right? And in verse 4, he says, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave his son to Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to get some food. The woman, she was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestors Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, within them giving them eternal life. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come get water. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while the Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Garrison where our ancestors worship? And Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and is indeed here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking, searching for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. We may not know everything, but when he comes, he will explain it to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what are you doing? What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Then the woman left her water jars besides the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I have ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for your your unfailing grace, Lord, the abundance of all that you are. Lord, we thank you that today that we could come and partake of the living word, God, that we can worship you in spirit and truth, Father, and that your word can come alive and move and change and transform who we are, Lord. So, Jesus... What our hearts want most here is more of you. Have your way in this place, Lord. Do what only you can do. Change lives, change hearts for your glory and our good. And all who would agree with that would say, amen. So suppose, suppose Jesus was on earth right now. In our story, he would have pulled out his phone And he would have fired up his Google Maps. And he would put his destination, you know how you do? Judea, Galilee. He put his destinations in, right? And then hit search. And then we know what happens, right? At least for those that use Google Maps. You get a blue line and then you get a couple grayer lines which represent slower, take longer route kind of things. We always take the blue route. We don't ever take the gray route. The gray route would be like I put on my phone Google Maps, I put in Ocean Isle Beach and I hit search and it says okay, go down 17, jump on Shalope Main Street Drive through Shalot on Saturday at noontime <laughs> in June, <laughs> right? And then just kind of follow all the way around 179 till you finally get over to the circle that nobody understands and works very poorly this time of year. <sighs> Instead of jumping on 17, shoot down the four-mile road straight down, you're there, done, Right? Nobody's going to drive through Shalot on Saturday in June to get to Ocean Isle. That would be ridiculous. Well, Jesus did. Jesus did. And I'm pretty sure through my deep theological studies and just 20-some years of, of just chewing on this, pretty sure Jesus was an Android guy. <laughs> Sorry, iPhone people. I know that's probably most of you guys in here, but... <clears throat> He used Google Maps. So, But for the lady, for this woman, it was like any other day. 
She got up, very unfulfilled. She waited to go to start her work in the hottest part of the day. She would fear, you know, people being mean to her and hurting her and talking bad about her. So she would just wait till it's the most difficult time to go because no one would be there. And she would go, you know. Oh, about you, but some of these women, um, we, we, were in the, we were in the mission field for a while in Haiti, and uh, we see people carrying five-gallon buckets of water on their head up a mountain to get baptized. You know, water is crazy important to us. This woman had to fetch, if you will, or go and draw water from a well that was probably about 75 feet deep. Now, not for nothing. But you start jacking that rope and pulling that rope up that far to carry this water. It's a workout. You don't see guys at the well. It's always the women at the well. They're the ones that are doing the, the, the work, the work of the household, the hard stuff. And then they had to carry it back, right? It's difficult. It's challenging. Jesus, our text says, Jesus says that I'm thirsty he was on a long trip. He took the road no one else would take to get to do something that no one else could do. He had a divine appointment with this woman, and he would take the long way there if he had to. And he did, and we find it there. You know, water is crazy important. My father right now, he's in the hospital because of dehydration. Do you know the amount of water that's in your body that should be in your body That'll determine your vitality, your strength, your ability to do daily activities. But if your water um, content drops, 2%, 2%, your energy will drop 20%. If it drops 10% in your body's levels, you will not be able to walk. If it gets to 20%, you're dead. So it was like, you know, I got my dad in the hospital, and he's, you know, he's like having a lot of challenges, and he's dehydrated. And a couple facts about the human body. Do you know it's two-thirds water? Two-thirds water. Wow. Did you know your body absorbs water faster than hot water? Did you know? That if you make it and are privileged enough to make it to the age of 70, some of you are there, some of us aren't. But if you're privileged enough to get to that marker, do you know that you would have required 1.5 million gallons of water in your lifetime? Do you know that the planet, all human beings, one day, water consumption, one billion tons a day. Keep in mind, there's only 2% water on the planet that's not salt water, right? What is true of the physical body is also true of the spiritual body. Because God created us and gave us a spirit, um, a mind, and a body that thirsts, when we don't satisfy that thirst, we become spiritually dehydrated. Spiritually dehydrated. Where do you go 
for your satisfaction. See, a lot of people talk about a lot of things about this, this, this passage or this, this story, but it's all about what you choose to be satisfied by. It's all about your choices and, and where you put your faith in. Jesus asked for a drink. The woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me? Jesus said, if you only knew. If you only knew. That is God's heart. If you would only know. He wants us to know. If you only knew the gift I have for you and who it is that's giving that gift, it would change everything, right? The woman's point of view, you ain't got no bucket. You ain't got no bucket. This is her point of view. This, this right here. The, the last bucket in Walmart. This is her point of view. You don't have a bucket. A bucket. You can't draw water without a bucket, right? It's important. You can't come to a wet without a bucket. The bucket represents all those things that we thought, that we thought would satisfy us. We thought this would satisfy us. This. This could be relations with that man or woman you love. This is what your bucket is. It could be a career or a good job. It could be achievements. It could be whatever you need, you think you need to fill this bucket that's going to bring you happiness. That's what this bucket's about. Surely, sir, you can't be happy. You don't have a bucket or a rope, right? Bucket. Jesus' point of view. You don't even see the gift that I'm trying to give you. Gadgets, sports, all these things that help us to satisfy our desires to be happy. The problem is we're not happy because we're like drawing from the well of the world instead of the life spring of Jesus Christ. Why is it that we look for the bucket? Why? Is it comfortable? Is it safe? Is it something that I can control? If we're looking for the bucket, we're not looking for Jesus. We're not looking for that life spring of water, that well of water. We're looking for the things that go in the bucket. Not that everlasting presence. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never thirst again. It becomes like fresh, bubbling springs, bubbling up within us. In other words, Jesus is making it crystal clear. I'm not talking about the well. I'm not talking about Jacob's well. We understand who Jacob was. We understand the importance of, of you know, your heritage. We get it. But what's important is the one who can give you life eternal, life. So what's your concern? What's your concern? Is it in the bottle? Let me, let me, is it in the bucket? Let me rephrase it. Let's rephrase the story. 
Jesus says to the woman, go get your bucket. The woman says, I ain't got no bucket. Jesus says, you're right. You've had five buckets. And the bucket you're using now is borrowed. When are you going to learn it's not about the bucket? It's about the water. It's about the living water. The living water that changes everything. The woman is still thirsty, not because she has the wrong bucket. You are not thirsty today because you have the wrong bucket, or you're trying to use the wrong bucket, or you're putting something in the bucket you think is going to work. The bucket's not going to work. It's not going to work. Jesus is the only way. He is the only way. We are not satisfied because we are finding our happiness in the wrong well. Bottom line. This lady, this woman, she got caught red-handed, right? Jesus like, go get your bucket. Go get your husband, right? She's busted, and she knew she was busted. And what do people do when they get confronted or busted? They change the topic. They change the, the, the course or the flow of the conversation. What do you mean? You guys say we got to worship over here, and you guys say you got to worship over there. What is that all about? You know, let's get the focus off of me. And let's talk about theological struggles. Jesus is like, listen, just like a master judge in a courtroom would say, listen, evidence insubmissible, no deal, no deal, because it ain't about where you worship, it's about how you worship now. It doesn't mean you have to be in a certain place. It means that we are to be people who are ready to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth, or maybe differently said, truly spiritually is how we worship. And listen, crazy. The Bible says that God is seeking. He's actively seeking those who will worship him. How cool is that? Now, come on. God is searching for your worship. God is searching for your, for your sacrifice, for, for your life to be given in a way that is a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. She was caught red-handed. She's like, well, listen. Okay, that sounds good. But I know when the Messiah comes, thinking, you know, I'll get over on him this time because what's it gonna do, the Messiah? Well, when the Messiah comes, he'll, he'll straighten us out. Don't you worry. And Jesus is like, I'll straighten you out right now. I am the Messiah. Could you imagine that moment in history? Could you imagine at that moment when, she, when he said that to her, her heart burned. Her, her heart could see, you know, the things that they couldn't see before. Her, her life was being changed in an instant, in a moment. Many of us can testify to that experience. Thank you, Lord. God, you were so good. I am the Messiah, which changed everything. Changed everything for this lady. Before, she was concerned about a bucket and a rope. Right? Now, she's concerned about Jesus. She's concerned about what Jesus is and who he is and what he's done for her and what he's going to continue to do for her, right? 
What did she do? Our text says that she left her bucket and went back home to tell everybody what Jesus did, to tell everybody she dropped the bucket from which she put her hope of satisfaction in at the well, took what Jesus gave her, that life-flowing spring of water, back to her community, just on fire and her heart burning for more of Jesus. And, they, and so much so, she had to tell everybody, right? Okay, she's home. She's telling everybody. We're going to let her go through her thing right now. So I have a question. She's home testifying. She's gonna, she'll be back. I have a question. So why is it? Why is it that people, believers, Christians, why is it that Jim, why is it that you, all of us that have tasted of this well and know that it is good, why is it that so many of us are living defeated lives? Why is it is so many of us just apathetic, lazy, not you, not you, the person next to you. Okay. I'm not talking to you, it's the person next to you. Why is it? I'll tell you why. Because those who have drank of this well now possess that life-flowing, constant-moving presence of God in us. Nothing can change that. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not me, not anything created, not, not anything. You can't screw it up so bad that God's not going to love you. It's not going to happen. But let me tell you this. There's a text in 2 Kings, and, you know, I'll just read it. Now, before I read it, let me just show you something, share something. The Hebrew word, we know that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And nothing can change that. And let me tell you something, that really bothers Satan. That really bothers our adversary. If you're here this morning, I surely hope you believe in God's word. And I surely hope you believe that there is a war that is being fought in the unseen realm. There is spiritual warfare going on. Paul tells us time and time again, listen, you got to suit up for this battle. Listen, you're going to have all these trials and temptations and, then, and these things that the enemy is going to throw at you. Right? He, it's clear. If you're one of those people who believe that there is no, no, no evil, no Satan, no hell, I would pray you would reconsider I would pray you would reconsider. The Hebrew word for Satan, the verb tense for the Hebrew word for Satan means um, to lay a snare. You probably have heard that before. But it also means to stop up and to backfill or clog. Second Kings, this same Hebrew word is used in this text. If you... If you're here and you're kind of wishy-washy about Satan, let me show you. Where's my text? Where's my text? Here's. Thank you, Lord. 
2 Kings 3 and 19. Also you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Same Hebrew word for Satan in the verb tense, stopping up. If you don't believe that Satan wants to stop up your will, you're missing it. You're missing it. How does he do it? We can't be ignorant of his devices. We can't be ignorant of what, how he works. How does he stop up or attempt to stop up your and my well that's constantly replenishing itself? The Bible tells us that he throws stones. Throw stones in that well. Stones. Stones of uh, worry. Stones of hurt. Right? Stones that are uh, self-pity. Those stones that are uh, depression. All those things that get thrown into that well time and time again hinders the flowing and moving of God's Spirit that power that lives within us and that moves in us, that replenishes us, that gives us the satisfaction that God desires for us to have. He throws those stones. Secondly, he'll throw dirt. He'll throw dirt, the dirt of judgment. Not for nothing, but there are some really judgmental Christians. I'm sure nobody you know, but a couple that I've crossed on my path. Seems like we're potentially could be sometimes maybe even as judgmental as just about the world. And not just about the world, about each other, about each other's churches. <laughs> you know, this isn't a competition. The dirt, the dirt of hatred, the dirt of bitterness. Anybody that was here for our prayer this morning, you heard Pastor Lucas rattle all these off this morning. The dirt of jealousy, competition. I was at a pastor's conference a while back. I'll use Lucas's terminology the other day. Um, and all, and all, the pastors would go out to eat afterwards after the conference at night. So we're, so we're sitting in, I'm sitting in this restaurant with a bunch of pastors. And you could hear them talking, like in the booths behind you, in the booths over there. And it's like a competition. We're not, we're not in the competition. We're not in that, that, that frame of mind. We are one. We are united together in Christ for his glory and our good. Right? Come on. The problem is believers have allowed their well to get stopped up. Allowed their well to stop up. To allow that to happen is awful. But it's not the end. It's not oh well, there are some who give up cleaning out their own well. They think it's just too dirty. They give it up, and they go build a cistern, which is a man-made reservoir that holds water that you have to fill as opposed to a well or a spring that naturally replenishes itself. It's like God naturally replenishing who we are in him for his glory. How do we clean our well? Well, we can't clean it. Obviously, because we'll choose not to, because it's nasty. But Jesus can, and Jesus will, and the Holy Spirit that dwells within us will move and have his way. It'll change everything. 
Hearts will burn in, the, in this place. Hearts will be changed for his glory and our good. So I, on the, on, because the clock is running fast, and I took too much time in the beginning, but it was important. Somebody needed to hear that. I'm going to close with this. This Samaritan woman, right? You remember her? Well, she's back. She went and told everybody, now she's back. And she brought everybody with her. Brought them all with her, right? And, uh, and as they come back, all these people get saved. They have Jesus come and hang out with them for a couple of days. And you know church is going on. You know these lives are being changed. Many believed in Jesus because of not, not from a, a, a theologian, scholar, and his theology about some truth about redemption, but from a brand new Christian, brand new, just sharing what Jesus did. So just as Jesus did here, I want to read John 7. Jesus stood up on the last day, the climax of the festival. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone. Stands up in the, in the, in the religious ceremony in the midst of a bunch of people and screams and yells out, I'm the way, I'm the water, I'm the living water. Anyone who's thirsty may come to me. If you're in here and you're thirsty, he says, anyone come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from the heart Jesus gave the altar call at the, at the temple he gave the altar call for him to say this in the midst of those religious crowd was a big deal matter of fact it changed the whole course of this thing so I'm here to ask you today, but better yet, God is here to ask you today. Well, bucket, uh, bucket you put your faith in. Problem is most of our buckets got holes in them. I'm like, dear, I need a bucket for my illustration. She sends me to the laundry room, clothespin bucket. It's got holes in it. Oh, man, that ain't gonna work. But that's like our, but that's like our bucket. But I'm here to ask you today, what is it that you need or what bucket do you need to surrender and leave at that well, to leave at Jacob's well? What is it? Money, success, you put your uh, confidence in houses, boats. The only thing worth putting our confidence in the only thing that's going to bring satisfaction and deliverance and change in our hearts and our lives is more of Jesus, the living water.
bubbling up in here and in your hearts. So, if you're thirsty today, just shoot your hand up. I don't know about you, but I'm thirsty. I want more Jesus. If you want more Jesus today, I want you just to raise your hand. Raise your hand today. Come on. I know there's a bunch of junk floating around your head maybe, but whatever. The truth is, we want more of Jesus. And that is really all that matters. We want that living water. Hallelujah. Awesome. Put your hands down. If you're here and you've never tasted this water, you've never experienced the truth of Jesus, now's your time. With those same hands, if that's you, or if that's you, put your hand up. You need Jesus today? Anybody in the room need Jesus today? Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning for your power, for your presence, for all that you've given us. Lord, I thank you that today we drop the buckets, Lord. Father, help us not to put our faith in anything, anything, not our spouses, not our families, not our children, not our church, not our pastors, not anything but you, Lord. Move in us, we pray. Move in us. Bubble up in us today. Just like that woman had that divine appointment. Lord, we thank you for all the divine appointments in this room. Have your way. In Jesus' name. And all who would agree would say, amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.